Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. They can't take this one away from you. They can't do it. We're world champions again, Stephen. They not take away the first one either. No matter how much they tried, it's still in the record books, baby. It still says two World Series championships. Yeah. Yes, sir. No, there's no asterisk like they're telling us on the broadcast. That's not, that didn't happen. Yeah, wrong, Fox. Wrong, it, Fox. See, I, why do you think I don't like Fox? I'll just say it on YouTube. I've never liked Fox, and I don't like him now. Yeah, it's no asterisk. If for some, is this is the first time you're joining us? Welcome aboard. This is Robert Land along with Stephen Kerr. We've been doing this uh, journalism for 60 years. We've covered Houston sports now on Houston Sports Talk for nine years. We started. They were terrible. 2013. It was a disaster. They were the Lastros back then. They were the yeah. Lastros. They were the laughing stocks. People said, "What a joke of a franchise this was." And now, nine years later, they've won two World Series. They've won six. They've gone to the ALCS six times. They've won four pennants, Stephen. It goes on and on and on. Yeah, we could just keep on and keep on. And I'll tell you what, this one, Robert, I remember in 2017, I was on the phone with a couple of friends of mine from school. We used to watch Astros games in the 70s. And we kept dreaming of the day, you know, when are they finally going to go to the World Series, much less win one? You know, after that game, that final game was over, that game seven in 2017, I, I broke down and cried. I mean, I'd waited since I was 10 years old. I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was, but I guess you all have probably figured it out by now. And then the cheating scandal happens. But look, you, you can't erase a memory, okay, no matter how much something how bad something is later you can't erase that memory this one i have to say while i'm more relieved as as much as anything this one is sweet for so many different reasons because now we're no longer cheaters or chokers robert oh yeah and you felt like relief at least i did because i did too even with everything that's happened and everybody says that everybody was cheating and all that, they can't say anything anymore. Like you, you just can't because, but they it, will, but they will trust me. They will. Oh, oh yeah. The, they'll, the Astros they'll, haters will. Oh yeah. Well, we know Maldonado cheated when he moved up in the box because nobody's ever done that in baseball history. Right. And Fromber, <laughs> we, we know that, you know, Fromber was rubbing his glove and rubbing the, his shirt and his pants and everything else. That that's illegal too. You know, well, I'm sure Jordan corked the bat. Steven? Probably. It'll, that'll come out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. You always say this after a team wins a championship, but everybody, it was everybody. Everybody on the Astros were heroes. Christian Vasquez, who like had to come in because Yuli goes out with an injury. Yuli sacrifices himself for <laughs> the championship the last game of the Phillies homestand, and, and then you get Vasquez that comes in. And he gets the big base hit later in the game, the insurance run. And that, that was huge because when Harper comes up in the ninth inning, a two-run homer ties the game. And, and they don't feel like they have any chance right there with Harper at the plate. Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, and poor Guriel, he had tears in his eyes when he realized that. Because he, he tried, you know, I think he did some running on the field today, Robert. And, and yesterday he did his best to try to come back for this game. But when he found out, you know, that he had the MCL tear, that that was it. And you, you feel bad for him. But, man, you know, without that play, we, we might not be here right now. So it, it really is a team effort when you win a championship. Yeah, you have individual heroes. I mean, you can't say enough about what Jeremy Pena and Christian Javier and Jordan's big three-run homer and they needed Trey Mancini. Mancini to play at first base. Robert Valdez winning two games for you. I mean, he wasn't the sharpest in the first couple innings, but man, once he got going, he was Fromber Valdez. But that's just it. You can keep going on and on and on, and it just adds up to a whole team effort. It, it truly does. And you talk about Chaz McCormick's catch. It's 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 they won now, and it goes down in lore. Once they win the championship, the Chaz McCormick catch, Chaz is up against the wall, and we saw. The, I, I guess it was something out of, what was that Tom Hanks movie uh, when they're on the island? Jazz's body in the in the dirt and all that. Yeah, um, yeah the imprint. And, you know, there was a big photo going around that went viral about his imprint in that wall. Somebody took a photo of it 
And it, it definitely, you know, made the circuits around social media. So that, that was pretty cool too. This game started off with two huge plays, the double play that Altuve did an incredible job turning in the first inning. Oh. And then right after that, Pena makes a fantastic play at shortstop again, Jeremy Pena. And, and then, you know, it's nothing for a few innings and you're, you're nervous and you're we, we, just get us a run for if one run would be huge in this game with Fromber on the mound. And we get to the sixth inning and Schwarber hits the home run and the home run right there. I don't know, Steven, it felt like it was 10, 10 runs right there. Well, yeah, the way it was going, we kind of thought that maybe one, maybe two runs would be all the team needs, especially, you know, the Astros bullpen isn't the only bullpen that's been lights out. I mean, the Phillies bullpen has been pretty darn good. So, and, and you know, the Phillies had to be feeling really good about what Zach Wheeler gave them you know, especially coming into this game when he was reported to have arm fatigue. I, I mean, they were probably patting themselves on the back when Schwarber hit that home run and say, oh, yeah, we've, you know, maybe not that we've got this, but but certainly had a leg up the way Wheeler pitched. And they figured they'd get in their bullpen and they can hold it. But thankfully, if you're an Astros fan, that is not what happened. Maldi gets the rally started and then... Altuve, uh, was it a fielder's I think it was a fielder's choice. He gets on at that point. And then the shocker of all shockers, after the Pena single, they take Wheeler out. And I'm worried to start the game, like, come on, Dusty, don't make the big mistake. But Robbie Thompson makes the big mistake, Stephen, because you can't take Wheeler out the way he's dealing. And to put in a lefty against Jordan and it's one of the things in baseball that I can't stand. They talk about, oh, somebody's better against righties or, or lefties. Look at the numbers. Jordan is a, a behemoth against both of the guys. You pick the better pitcher in that case. It's an easy call. Yeah, and I, the way, you know, he may not have been doing it lately, but the way Jordan hits left-handed pitching, that that's exactly the reason. I don't know. You know, I, I'm sure it was a, a mental struggle for Thompson because Wheeler was starting to tire. I think I, I could kind of tell that. But something else I thought about, Robert, before Alvarez hit that three-run homer, you know, you and I, we, we talk about managerial decisions all the time, and you and I, well, you mainly, no, no offense, buddy, but you, <laughs> you, you and I have, have been on Dusty Baker for the last two years or maybe the last three years, really, about some of the decisions he makes. But I'll tell you what, the, probably the best lineup decision Dusty Maker, Baker made this year was putting Jeremy Pena in the second spot, not only because it improved his own hitting, but putting him in front of Alvarez, the way he started hitting. And, and I thought about this, you know, right before Alvarez came to bat. It, the way Pena was hitting, even though Alvarez has struggled in the World Series and, and throughout a lot of the postseason, you can't walk Pena because if you do, you know, Alvarez is due. And then you put him up against a left-handed pitcher, you know, that'd be the last thing you, you walk Pena. Well, it didn't matter because Pena singles and Alvarez comes up and hits that three-run homer. Putting Pena in the second spot is the best thing that could have happened to him. And I'd say the best lineup move and certainly one of the best moves, period, Dusty Baker made this season. There was a great stat, and I forget exactly what it was, but about two-thirds of the way through the season, with Jeremy Pena in the two-hole, the Astros had this unreal record. It was like 34-4 and four or something, right? Yeah, it was, it was huge. I, I mean, it was, it was big. And, you know, Pena had been struggling, and it, it was a bold move by Baker to do that because, you know, Pena was down in the lineup. What was he, six or seven, I think, somewhere in there. And he was struggling, and Baker puts him in the second spot, and that's when he caught fire. And, yeah, the, the team won a ridiculous amount of games with him in that spot. But what it did is, is it set the table for Alvarez, and how many times have we seen it throughout this postseason? We saw it a bunch in the Seattle series, you know, and now we see it again here in this series. Absolutely. And Jeremy Pena, I mean, just – I mean, I, I'm out of words. I, I want to – say like one thing that I think we forget with Jeremy Pena. He is 25. I have been calling him the boy wonder, Stephen, because he's a rookie, but he's 25 years old. When Carlos Correa right. was 25 years old, it was 2020. And Carlos Correa was <laughs> my captain, your captain, like the, our, the captain that, you know, we saw in Dead Poet Society, you know, he was my yeah, captain. Right, right. And, and he was the guy going out to calm down from Valdez that year. 
And everybody was like, this guy's in charge of the whole team. And that, that's the same age Jeremy Pena is right now. He's not 20 years old. He's 25. Yeah, you know, and it just goes to prove. I know that, you know, some people talk about how when you're 23, 24, and you're still in the minor leagues that you're kind of old. But listen, you know, everybody develops at a different pace. Not everybody comes up as a boy wonder at 20, 21 years old. Sometimes it just takes a little longer. And Jeremy Pena, you know, was not regarded as a major hitter in the minor leagues until last year when he hit 10, 10 home runs in limited action toward the end of the season at Sugarland. That's when I think you started noticing, man, this guy, you know, even though he came back from that injury, he obviously worked a lot on his hitting because he just wasn't known as a really great hitting shortstop. And boy, you know, the rest speaks for itself this year, and especially in the postseason, Robert. We have to think of St. Louis Cardinal, believe it or not, because Geronimo Pena is his daddy. And that's that, right. That that's was right. A, a good St. Louis Cardinal back in the day. Hey, Travis, thanks for the note. Uh, I, I put it up there earlier, but I'll put it up there again. He says, we did it, fellas. Um, also, Des, how about this? From a Phillies fan. Uh, Des is a Phillies fan. He said, we made too many mistakes with the which the Strohs capitalized on everything. Pena's a damn superstar. At least we have the Eagles, I guess. What a series. Congrats. Hey, it's good to hear that kind of comment from a Phillies fan. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And let me tell you something. I And I've said this multiple times on these you know live postgame podcasts, Robert. I did not want to play the Phillies in the World Series. I, I mean, they were as dangerous a team. And, you know, something that I think has not been talked about very much lately, and I read an interesting article the other day about Dave Dombrowski, the general manager of the Phillies. You know, they they offered him that general manager position three times. Three times he said no. And finally, on the fourth time, they convinced him to come. And, you know, the Phillies, I think, you know, every year is different. And, you know, we say this, I guess, about every team that's up and coming and makes a, a trek into the World Series unexpectedly. But the Phillies, I think, are going to be a team to watch in the years to come, especially when you've got Dombrowski, who's a great GM, was you know, fired in a, a puzzling manner in Boston. Still don't understand that move, and neither did he. So, we, you know, you got to keep your eye on the Phillies. They're, they're going to be a dangerous team, I think, in the years to come. But I just, you know, have to say, uh, Astros in six, that was my pick. But I wasn't very comfortable, Robert, and I'll tell you something else. They may have won it in six. But it sure didn't feel it. It felt like it was a whole lot closer than that. It's weird because those two series, the one against the Dodgers a few years ago and this one, I mean, they were nail biters. It felt like that, you know, you were scared the whole series for sure. This wasn't the Dodgers that went seven games. Um, We didn't have two of the incredible games that we had. We had a great game in game five for sure. But those two games that we saw, in that Dodgers series were all-time classics, uh, the the 12 yeah. inning game and and then the 10 inning game in Game Five. But um, this series uh, was really special, I think, because the Astros got to celebrate at home at yeah. Minute Maid Park. Um, the fans were there for this, which is so cool. I mean, it was weird to watch. You know, the few Astro fans that were at Dodger Stadium when they won back in 2017. (laughs) And they're cheering and and the whole place like clears out or whatever. Well, and the thing about that, Robert, is, you know, it's been a little difficult lately to clinch at home in the World Series. The last time it happened was nine years ago. It was in 2013 when the Red Sox did it. And it hasn't happened since. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. It's just, you know, the, the road team has been... You know, it lights out. Remember in 2019 when the Astros lost to the Nationals? Every game was one on the road, if I recall. So, yeah, it, it's pretty darn difficult to clinch the World Series at home. And the Astros, the first team to do that in nine years, it's pretty remarkable. I got to say hello to my niece who said we won in the comments. So, hey, hey awesome. Landon. Awesome. Um, um, I, I, Steven, we got to we got to spend a few minutes talking about Dusty. I mean, uh, the, the national people, they're going to make a huge deal out of Dusty, of course. Right. Um, for us, it's like a lot of different people that we're so happy about. But, of course, Dusty. I mean, the guy has been around forever. He's been in the playoffs so many times. He's had so many chances. And remember, the Astros won the playoffs. They won the whole thing in 13 games. 
Yeah. And 11 13, and two. 13 is called a baker's dozen. Yes, it is. And you tweeted that out. Very brilliant, Robert. I will give you full credit for that. <laughs> but listen, nobody is happier other than Dusty Baker. Nobody is happier that he finally has that World Series than I am. I mean, if anybody deserves it, it's Dusty. Yeah, I know. We, we've criticized a lot of his moves, and that's just kind of what you do in the course of a season. You know, when things don't go right, you second guess. I mean, that's what fans do. That's what we in the media do. And, you, Robert, you and I are in a kind of a unique position. You know, we're, we're not, quote, unquote, professional talk show hosts who have to be objective. We're fans doing a podcast, but we talk, do try to be objective. Hey, talk show hosts have to be objective? When, 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 yeah, well, when you know that? what I mean. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, we are fans. And most of the time you don't admit that you're a fan is what I'm saying. But I am a fan, and I'm just saying that Dusty Baker – all the times, you know, he's the only manager to lead five different teams to the playoffs, but he didn't have a World Series to go with it. And I just can't even imagine what he is feeling right now. You know, this guy had a storied career as a player. He was on deck when Hank Aaron came up, when he was with the Braves, when Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's record of 714. How Dusty cool is Baker. that to yeah. connect it back to Hank Aaron? I mean, that's yeah. still unbelievable. Yeah, that is. I mean, just the, the places he's been. You know, he was with the 81 Dodgers when they won the World Series. And, I mean, he's been in so many other situations where he just, when they went to the World Series, you know, but didn't have a ring as a manager. And, man, that that's just what a, what a journey Dusty Baker has had. Yeah, it's just uh, fantastic that obviously he finally won, but just, you know, the the deal with him going through the pandemic, you know, it's not just that he won. He got the Astros through the pandemic and, you know, he was able to get through it as somebody that's in his early 70s. And you worried about Dusty the whole time. He's wearing the gloves <laughs> and he's got the mask on his face yeah, and all of that. Yeah. It's just incredible. Hey, Steve, uh, Steven, we got we got a, hey, we got somebody coming in for us uh, for the World Series. Hold on, we got to get. Oh, we guess. who we got? Who we got? <laughs> it, it's, our guy, in. it's our guy. It's our guy, Sean Bajani. What's up, Radio's Sean? You, uh, uh, Sean, and I have never met face to face or virtually. Hey, for some reason, I can't hear you guys. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we no, hear we, you. We fine. can hear you. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe you're. I'm not yeah. able to hear you guys. Okay, well, we can hear you, Sean. But anyway. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah, just uh, on Dusty, Stephen. You want to try to like take me out, and then I can come back in. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. pull, I'll pull you out. Yeah, yeah. The with Dusty, I mean, he's taken so many bullets, and how sweet is it going to be for him in a couple of days? And Stephen, I can't wait. A couple of days from now, we got a parade in Houston, baby, and I he's going to be. He'll be out there, and and it's, people. And will are be, you going to be out there? I mean, I envy you right now, living in Houston, Robert. Because for most people tuning in, I'm in Austin, so. I, you know, I probably won't be able to make it for the parade, but Robert, uh, you went to the last one, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was out yeah. there for the last one. In fact, Stephen, I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> uh, I, I just to prep everybody for the parade and the excitement and everything like that, I have queued up some of my favorite uh, reaction from the fans when I went out to talk to them uh -huh. at the last World Series parade. Man, you, you didn't know it was coming, but you set me up perfectly, Stephen. Perfect. That was beautiful. Go for it. Here it is. I was four months old when we first won a championship with the Rockets. So this is the only real championship I've ever experienced. This is amazing. Everybody's out here. I got my friend here. We're champions, baby! Houston's the greatest city on earth. Houston's strong. Bounce back from Harvey. What up? Dude, it's one of the most incredible feelings ever in my entire life. I've been born and raised in this city for 32 years, dude, and I've been waiting. I, I was so young when the Rockets won a championship, dude, and this city just been waiting and needs it. What's also amazing is the Astros beat three-storied franchises to get here. The Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Dodgers. That places us in history books. That is so amazing to us. What does it feel like to, to be here with this? Did you ever think it was going to happen? I knew it was going to happen three years ago, seeing the team we have. But standing here right now and looking at this parking garage and these thousands of people is pretty amazing. I've waited 31 years for this. I mean, it's been a great feeling. And this city needed this. I mean, after what happened with Harvey, it's been a great thing to, for the city to come together like this. And it's just been an amazing feeling. And the city's just proud. And everyone's just coming together. There's camaraderie. I mean, everyone's dancing in the streets together. I mean, it's just been an amazing thing for the city to happen to us. 
Wow. That was awesome. I that mean, is awesome, man. Just that to hear just everybody, you know, to talk to people that that day, um, five years ago, and it's just uh, so many memories uh, of just being out on the street. And I mean, downtown being packed and the guys coming through and the, with the fire trucks and all that sort of stuff. Oh. And, I, and I don't think I even got super close to the fire trucks because it was just it was too much of a massive. Well, you can hear them, though. <laughs> you heard them that time. Yeah, but and- I. I saw them in the distance. I mean, we were up, I think I was up on a, in a parking garage. A lot of people were up in the parking garages around downtown. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was so much fun. Wow. Hey, Robert, I know that the Astros winning the world series is the best news you could possibly get, but would you like some more good news? I've got some. The Longhorns won. They upset well, Kansas state. Yeah, they did, <laughs> but okay. That, that's some more good news too, but this is Astros related. Your 2022 Willie Mays World Series MVP is Jeremy Pena. Yeah, of course it's Jeremy Pena. Of course, of course. And he is the first rookie to be named World Series MVP since, you remember, Levon Hernandez, Robert? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 1997, when the Florida Marlins won the World Series, Levon Hernandez was your rookie World Series MVP. So Jeremy Pena is the first rookie in 25 years to win the World Series MVP. Wow. But not surprising, but still great to hear. All right. We're going to try Sean Bajani again. I got him up. Let's pull him up. Let's see if he can hear us this time. Can you hear us now? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hey, yeah. Sean, right. what's up? Oh, my God, fellas. Like, I, I haven't stopped smiling <laughs> since Jordan <laughs> caught that ball. I mean, what an incredible, incredible finish to a run that this organization, this franchise, this city is still on rooting for this Astros team. I mean, we've got plenty of time to talk about the future, so let's soak this one in. But, I mean, what an incredible series this was. And as, as dominating as people will say the Astros were in this series, you know, you're going to look back on this and remember the anxiety the nervousness that you yes. felt in yes. every single one of these games. And and to be quite honest with you, it's it's the same way that I'd felt in every game against the New York Yankees this regular season and every game against the Yankees this postseason and even in that Seattle Mariners series. And I think the reason for that is, is because we wanted this so bad for, if nothing else, to validate what this franchise has done over the course of the last eight years since they decided to strip it down, start from scratch, and you've got it now, Houston. I mean, it's been an incredible run. So tip of the cap to all the fans, the organization, the players, everybody that made it possible. It was great to watch tonight. Sean, we were were talking about, you know, it it just – it felt like it was more relief – than in 2017 where there was this joy and there was obviously some relief too in 2017 because the city had lived through Harvey and we got through it and here it all culminates in this crazy two month period. But, you know, watching these games, it was hard for me to be excited until, you know, the last out every time. I don't know how you felt when you were watching the games, but that was the way I felt. Uh, you know, I was I was supremely confident in in every one of these games. To be quite honest with you, um, and you, you might laugh at me, you might think it's silly, um, but there's a reason for it. Um, there's two really. One, you know, growing up having played baseball and being blessed to play it for as long as I did um, for a couple of years beyond high school, and um, just being able to do that has kind of taught me just to never give up. But then, too, I, I go back to the 2017 season, guys, when the Astros were playing in Minnesota, and they were trailing heavily in that ball game. They got some weather up there. Um, it created a 15-minute stoppage in the middle of the inning, and George Springer was due up. Well, there was a couple of men on base. The Astros had already played at a few runs. I think at the time they were down 11-8. to eight. Well, Springer comes up, and I can't remember at this point in time, but I think he had a home run or it was like a basis-clearing double. Long story short, the Astros came back and won an improbable game in Minnesota after a rain delay. And from that point on, the Astros had one of the best records in all of baseball. And it was like that game 
if you look back on it, was one of the more defining moments of that 17 season. And it just seemed like ever since then, no matter what situation the Astros are in, no matter the leverage, no matter um, you know what deficit or adversities they've, they've faced, whether it be injuries or whatever, you can't count this team out. You know, you could make an argument that from a depth standpoint, I would hear both arguments. You would say this is one of the deepest teams that the Astros have fielded in this, you know, six to eight year run that they've made since they first made the playoffs after the rebuild in 2015. But I would also believe you when you'd said this is one of the weaker teams from a hitting standpoint that won the World Series, sure. especially yeah. in this position. Yeah. Game six, you have to rely on two of your three trade deadline acquisitions in Trey Mancini and Christian Vasquez, just hoping you could get something for them to replace the bat that has been so valuable from Yuli Gurriel this postseason, in particular in this World Series. And, and to do that in the fashion that they did, the domineering pitching that, that they continued to get night after night after night, that's incredible. It, it, it's it's a conversation. I, you know, I, I would really like to hear both of your opinions on this when it comes to pitching, because I, I know it it should be, and I for me it is a generational argument. But this has to be one of the greatest displays in pitching, whether it be a starting staff or bullpen that you've ever seen, that anybody had ever seen in the history of Major League Baseball. Oh, bar none, bar none, and. I, you know, the, the entire scope of it, top to bottom, <clears throat> I know that, you know, we had a little bit of weaknesses in the starting pitching. You know, we talked about Verlander and we talked about McCullers. But, yeah, if, if you go from top to bottom, starters, bullpen, the whole thing, there is no question. And, Sean, you make a great point about, you know, one of the weaker hitting teams and just because something I've been thinking about, you know, especially during this postseason, if you look back on this regular season, don't you think it's remarkable how the Astros, A, won 106 games, and B, won the World Series based on what they didn't have? Yes, they had the great pitching. I mean, that that is certainly true. But think about what they didn't have. You know, they didn't have McCullers for most of the season. They didn't really have a legitimate center fielder. Michael Brantley was hurt. You're, you're probably one of the most consistent hitters the team has ever seen was hurt much of the season. They they didn't have, you know, they they had they really didn't have a lot of depth on the backup depth on the infield, you know, and you know the weak hitting. I mean, Maldonado is a great catcher defensively, but certainly not a great hitter. Every team has holes, but when you think about some of the holes the Astros had, it's just amazing that they were. You look at their record, and they dominated. And then when you get to the postseason, Jose Altuve. No home runs, no RBIs the entire postseason. Who would have thought that? But no, and hey, yet they you, win you, the you, World Series. You talk about the holes. Nobody's crying about the Astros' holes when you have a pitching staff. Well, that, that's when I'm. That's my point. I mean, I, I mean I when you have a, let's forget everything else. You got a pitching staff that's mm -hmm. not five deep, that's not six deep, that's basically pretty much seven deep. They 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 had a they had two three guys that could have started for any team in a playoff. Luis Garcia, Arquiti, Hunter Brown, all those guys could have started for any team in a playoff. Luis Garcia comes in and throws five scoreless innings, you know, in extra innings. And, you know, Arquiti comes in and just throws up zeros for a few innings in the World Series. And Hunter Brown was great in the earlier rounds. And this bullpen was just, if you talk about my confidence level, my confidence level in this bullpen is bigger than any confidence level that I've ever had in any Astros bullpen in history. It's the, you know, we, we have to repeat ourselves again. You just saw the greatest Astros bullpen ever. And by the way, think about it. One year ago, somebody tells you, all right, you guys are going to win the world series and your MVP is some guy named Jeremy Pena. <laughs> and, and, and the guy that's the ace out of the bullpen besides Ryan Presley is Brian Abreu. He's pitching. Dusty Baker goes to him in the eighth inning of the World Series Game 6 when you are trying to clinch it. He goes to Brian Abreu 
to get you to Ryan Presley. It's unbelievable. Even three months ago, that would have been unfathomable. I if think so. Works. And yeah, and the be- I think the only person that might have believed you was Brent Strom, because Brent Strom has often said that Brian Abreu, if he could just get it together, is going to be lights out. But yeah, everybody else, I'd say you're right. You know, I I feel like we should all have been desensitized to that nervousness or doubt that we'd had in Brian Abreu. I mean, just look at the numbers, you know, extrapolated out over the course of the season when he figured it out um, during the regular season. I mean, the guy's just mm-hmm. been incredible. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I could absolutely see him closing baseball games, if not for this team, then for somebody um, very, very soon in his career because the guy's stuff is just electric. And, you know, it, he, along with Fromber, Urquidy, um, you know, Montero, uh, there are some guys that, you know, when you go back and think, and if you're being honest, sure, okay, uh, you're bringing these guys up, you're acquiring guys like Montero, there's no reason that you had to think that one day they would fit such an integral and vital and critical role for this organization to win a World Series that all of those guys did. Uh, everybody on this team at one point or another, and this is, this is why you, you so carefully construct these things and you just bend your mind over and over throughout the course of a regular season when you're thinking about making moves. This is why we have conversations in, you know, game 131 of creating a lineup because it's all for a purpose. It's all to find out who you can trust and who believes in themselves, guys, when it does matter on the biggest stage and the lights are the brightest. And I, I think this is really, as special as this night is, this season has been, um, for Dusty Baker, it's the guys that he trusted, you know, and to see them come through for whatever reason that they were doing it for, whether it be for him, whether it be for their families, for their careers, that they may never get another shot like this again. That's how you have to operate because you think about the many, many great players, the great staffs, great teams that have never had an opportunity to even play in a World Series. These guys did, and they they did it in dominating fashion. I mean, this this run is one for the history books. The way that they did it is one for the history books. At 20, 30, 40 years from now, they will be talking about a team that hadn't done something since the 2022 Houston Astros or since the 2017 Houston Astros. That – that's hard to wrap your mind around, but that's a conversation that I hope I'm around to have. And it's yeah. going to be, it's going to be a heck of a fun time doing that. And don't forget that, you know, a guy like Mauricio Dubon, and we yes. may not have liked it during the regular season, but Dusty played him a ton and he feels like he's a part of this. And Chaz McCormick, I don't know, maybe he was trying to inspire Chaz. Maybe there was some deeper thing there. I don't know. I I will still probably hold fast to what I said back then. I wanted to see more Chaz, and this is the reason why. And we've seen it in the playoffs. However, he did that. And when the World Series ended, if you missed it, the first thing that happened when you saw Dusty Baker, he had a crowd of Astros players around him, all like huddled around him, putting their hands on him, like jumping up and down. Basically, it wasn't about them. It wasn't about them. When you first win a World Series, it was about him. It was about Dusty. And in the pregame, they did a feature, and those guys just said, we love this guy. We play for him. We play for Dusty. That's what they said. Yeah, do it for Dusty. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And they've been saying that for much of the year. And you can see why. And, you know, when the players are behind you, when they'll go to the wall for you, it it doesn't guarantee you a win or a championship. But it sure goes a long way. It, it makes it a lot easier when you can play for a guy that you love, respect, and will go to the wall for. And it's obvious every one of the players on that team will go to the wall for Dusty. You know, uh, I, I thought about this last night, uh, two nights ago, rather, in Verlander's start. That fifth inning, 
it was a microcosm of everything that we're talking about. If you go back and, 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 and look at that and just feel yourself in that moment, watching that game or listening to it, however you digested it, the 10 pitch battle that Verlander had at such a pivotal moment in that game with Nick Castellanos was incredible. And I, I, I'm, I, I wrote an article about it uh, late last night. Uh, you can check it out on Sports Radio 610 and uh, on my Twitter page. Whatever was behind those pitches, whatever was behind that fist pump, when Verlander walked off the mound and headed to the dugout, if it was for Dusty, if it was for himself, and I think I have to believe that a lot of that from Verlander and a lot of that what you saw in this series was not just for Dusty, but it was for Justin Verlander as well, mm -hmm. who busted his ass for the better part of two years to recover and to rehab and to get back to competing and be on a center stage with his team and just have another opportunity to win a World Series. Think about like the pain, you know, that sports pain that you, he must have felt not being able to contribute in 2020 in 2021 and how you beat yourself up like man these guys could really use me if i could only be there for them aside from you know uh, you know a, a mental presence you know what i mean if, if i could help them actually win a game i think that's what was behind some of those pitches some of those filthy sliders those fastballs that he was blowing by nick castellanos who and, and was he was fighting them off too I think that's what was behind that fist pump. I think that's what was behind the determination that you saw from Verlander to put together not just one of the greatest seasons you'll ever see on a mound in Astro history, but one of the greatest seasons you might ever see in the history of Major League Baseball, not even just for a guy his age, 39, by the way, who had just become the first guy ever to do that after undergoing Tommy John and put together such a stellar season. I mean, almost equaled the lowest ERA since 1903. When who did that? Cy Young. That yeah, was Justin Verlander. It's it just incredible, guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I even said on the podcast, you know, previously that, yeah, I, I know Justin Verlander has struggled in every World Series start, most of them, you know, but we've also talked about in some of those games, the lack of run support he had. But I also mentioned just, you know, Justin Verlander's a competitor. I mean, it's, it's quite obvious the way he, the work he puts in and just the way he bounced back from that injury, working his tail off to do that. You know, he's thinking about the fact that this is his last shot this season to get that World Series and get that World Series win. So, yeah, I absolutely felt like as, as shaky as he might have been, that he was going to come out and pitch the way he did. And, yeah, he didn't look pretty, but he got the jump done in game five. This whole thing, we're going to be talking about this win, this World Series championship. This is called vindication. It's vindication for Justin Verlander because he finally came up big in a World Series game when it mattered. And absolutely massive game, you know, in, in this World Series, obviously, in game, uh, in game five. Then it's vindication for guys like Altuve and Bregman after what happened in 2017. It's vindication for Dusty Baker for all those times that he took his team to the playoffs and he couldn't quite win the ring. And it's vindication for this fan base, this fan base that has said, no, we, we're legit. You know, it, it wasn't just us. And we're, we're there every single year, whether stuff happened or, or didn't happen. And it's also vindication for Jordan when it looked like, where has Jordan been for the last couple of weeks? And he comes up with the home run when it mattered the most. The home run of the night is third game-clinching home run mm. in the playoffs. It's vindication for Chaz McCormick, who some thought, oh, this guy's not good enough to be a starting center fielder, who makes the catch of the World Series and one of the great catches of all time. It's vindication for Kyle Tucker, who was like, you know, back when Jeff Luno was like, I'm not going to trade this guy, not even for anybody, because he's going to be great. And Kyle Tucker hits two huge home runs in this in the and in, in, in makes all sorts of great plays in, in the playoffs and in this uh, World Series. It's vindication 
for Yuli Gurriel, who everybody had left for dead three months ago. And when he goes down in the World Series, it was, oh, my goodness, no Yuli. You mean the guy that's been getting hits all through the playoffs and has been making every defensive play at first base? It's just that's the yeah. – it is – it is vindication for so many guys. Maldonado, who they were trying to kick out of the lineup. Astros fans were like, get him out of there. We got Christian Vasquez now. And Dusty <laughs> said, no, we're staying with Maldonado. And who makes the play of the game outside of the Jordan home run? Maldonado. He moves up in the batter's box and he gets on base and he starts the rally. And that is about the Astros. Vindication all the way through. Yeah, and you talk about Martin Maldonado and – just the, the way he handles the pitching staff. I, I mean, he is, the, those are the things, they're, they're intangibles. You're not going to see them on the stat sheet. But the way he frames pitches, the way he just, you know, settles down the pitchers. Because, you know, Frommer was getting a little shaky there in the first couple of innings and was getting a bit irritated because some of the calls weren't going his way. He, you know, you, you know Frommer has certainly done a better job of reining that in in the last couple of years. But Maldonado is the guy who settles them down and settles down the pitching staff. So there's one guy that, you know, we, we sometimes knock just because of his offense. But, man, he brings so many other things to the table that it just cancels it out. Both of you guys, Robert, you did a fantastic job of laying that out. I mean, I couldn't have done it better myself. Um, and, and and the point you just made in regards to Maldonado, just it – it cannot be understated enough as in particular with the guy that was on the mound tonight who battled, you know, um, for, for six innings and, you know, coming into the night, if you would have told me, Hey, if Framber can give you four, I probably would have made myself feel really good about that situation. But he not only gave you six innings, it was the adversity that he'd fought through early in this game where he made an adjustment between him and Maldonado. He figured out how he was going to pitch. He understood a guy in Framberg three years ago probably wouldn't have been able to have that mental capacity to where after he gets squeezed in the first couple of three innings on some really tough uh, pitches that he made to some hitters that were called balls just right on the zone. Now, he, got his, he got a couple calls tonight too, but it was later yeah. in the game when he put it together. Okay, He, he would have fallen apart. You know, that yeah, no that, that thing no that doubt. he does now, which I noticed maybe more so this season, where he's really taking his time. He'll get down, you know, bend both knees and just kind of squat on the mound and just take it all in, just get his mind right. Like he did that before he gave up the, the Schwarber home run, but that moment right there, we've seen him fall apart. We've seen the big inning, you know, continue. Tonight, it was not it. He was able to reel it in, get out of that, and he was so mad at himself because, you know, he knew he didn't make his pitch in that particular moment right there, but he made the most important pitches beyond that. And that is a a, 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 a big thanks to a guy like Martin Maldonado, who you guys, you know, made a great point, doesn't get the thanks. But, I mean, heck, it, you know, there is a National League element to this, structure of this uh this roster you know that dusty baker brings in terms of having confidence and the quite frankly you know the blessing that he can have the confidence in the other hitters the other eight hitters in this lineup because you just want those catchers to handle the staff and to call a great game and that's exactly what vasquez did who i think ends the 2022 season behind the dish without having given up a lone run as a member of the Houston Astros, which is incredible. Yeah. And then the job that Maldonado did, you know, we can talk about for days and days and days, but it's Dusty Baker's confidence and just his ability to impart the wisdom that he's garnered over the 50 plus years he's had in baseball upon these players, but them to listen and to enact it. That's what makes this team special. And, and a couple of things that, you know, we got to mention because this has been talked about before, but look, the Astros players that used to be here still love this team. You see them at playoff games. You yeah, Josh Reddick was one of them. 
Oh yeah, Evan Not, Gaddis is on Evan Twitter Gattis. going after people because he's <laughs> pissed at them because he's an Astros fan. That's Evan Gaddis. I mean, these guys love they're they're going to games wearing Astros jerseys of the guys that are on the field, their own old teammates. We were yeah. seeing that in past years. I can't remember if I've seen it at all this year, but we've seen it before. And not only that, Jose Altuve, everybody, everybody at every ballpark is booing him, cussing him out. But when it's all said and done, he gets on base and every player wants to go up and talk to Jose because they all love him and they all respect the hell out of Jose Altuve. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no question. And, you know, we saw it at Yankee Stadium. We we saw it to some extent, you know, at Citibank Park in this postseason where the more the fans boo the Astros, especially the players, you know, that were part of that 2017 team, the more they responded to it. And, and you know, that's – well, you're never going to really shut fans up. They're going to continue to do it probably for years to come. But that's how you shut them up for the most part. You win. And you, you, you just – you fight through that and you win. You beat them. You beat them up. Doing this yeah. for six years, Sean, you would think, Sean, it was over with. Because the Astros have been doing it for six years. They must be about finished, right? But look at this World Series. The two best pitchers are named Framber Valdez and Christian Vasquez. They ain't going anywhere. Jordan Alvarez hit the biggest home run of the World Series. He ain't going anywhere. Uh, Kyle Tucker was fantastic the whole World Series. That guy ain't going anywhere. Bregman, Altuve, they're signed for a couple more years. I don't know how long the run is, but you know you got them at least for two more years. So this team is still going to be good. And the, and the, I think the only reliever I want to say that might not be signed for next year, and somebody can correct me, and if you're out there on the comment side, go look it up. But I think Rafael Montero is the only guy not signed for next season of all these guys in the bullpen. I believe you're right. That, yeah, that sounds you, right. You might be right. Um, I looked at that a while back, but uh, haven't actually put pen to paper and, 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 and wrote all that stuff down. But I, I can say this, anybody that's on that starting staff, not named Justin Verlander is going to be here through the 2026, yeah. 27 season. So yeah, there's, I prefaced this earlier and, you know, we can talk a little bit about it, but since you brought it up, I, there's really not a big reason um, that should intimidate you to a degree to think that this run should not continue. Having said that, it is a fairly large decision that Jim Crane is going to have to make quite quickly because at, well, I don't know, what, 30 minutes ago, James Click does not have a job. He is not general manager of the Houston Astros anymore. He does not have a contract. So, yep. you know, with a decision to be made on Justin Verlander's status, decision to be made on what you're going to do at first base, decisions to be made, as you mentioned, in the bullpen, because there are some decisions to be made in terms of giving other players, namely Kyle Tucker, a contract when that's going to happen. These are all major decisions that have to be made that clearly affect the future of this ball club and can affect the run. Because if you're named the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, Toronto Blue Jays, Cleveland Indians, Minnesota Twins, the Seattle Manors, they're coming for the Houston Astros. Uh, certainly the New York Yankees are. I mean, they are getting revved up. They're going to make moves. But whatever the Astros do, they're going to make a lot of those ball clubs make some really stupid, you know, Stupid moves because they're going to get in their head. Yeah, financially, and especially. Financially, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If anybody, can make, if anybody can make the rest of the American League pucker up, it's that of the Houston Astros because they've been doing it for six years now. So Jim Crane's got a major decision to make if it's going to be click going forward. And if it's not, I have to believe he's got his top three, top five guys in his back pocket that he's ready to interview like yesterday. So that's going to be a really interesting follow-up. Well, interesting you bring that up, Sean, because a little while ago, you know, Chandler Rome tweeted out, you know, Crane, of course, was asked the question, you know, what about Dusty and what about Click? And his answer was, I'll visit that on Monday. So, you know, put <laughs> read into that whatever you want. But that is the biggest decision right now. And then the others to follow, you know, certainly once free agency begins, Yuli Gurriel is going to be a free agent this winter. Are they going to bring him back? So, yeah, there's a lot of questions. And the, the Click and Dusty situation, I mean, I think Dusty is pretty clear. It just seems that Click is not. 
and we can talk about that at some other point. But yeah, there, there are still, you know, when you win a World Series, regardless of, you know, how much you're celebrating now, some tough decisions are going to have to be made in the next few days, weeks, and months before spring training starts. You know, I, I just want to, I just want to add one quick thing in Robert. And, you know, I'm sure you guys have mentioned his name. Um, in fact, I think one of you guys did uh, uh, 10, 15 minutes ago. I forgot at one point, and I was embarrassed this this season, that Michael Brantley's a part of this team. Yeah. You know, there's know. a decision to be made on him, quite frankly, because before his shoulder injury, I'll die on this hill. He's one of the purest, most professional hitters in Major League Baseball 12 years running. Oh, yeah. I even said he was, yeah, I even said he was the most consistent hitter that probably that the Astros have ever had. A hundred percent. I agree with you. I will die on that hill. Um, And if you can bring Michael Brantley back for a really good deal, and by a really good deal, I mean half of what he made this past couple of years, which was a two-year $32 million deal. It's about 16 average annual value then I'm doing that yesterday, if you can. And nobody talks about it, but you can't tell me. And Michael Brantley's been in the dugout for the better part of, I think, the last month since he'd recovered or is recovering from his shoulder surgery. You can't tell me that guys aren't going to him for help, for advice, for film study. They should. You know, to evaluate (laughs) their swing. I guarantee you it's happening, but nobody talks about it. Because that guy, nobody wants... I'll, I'll draw a parallel between him and Justin Verlander for for the pain that you must feel not being able to contribute to your team, but you're going to find a way, the best way possible, how you can do that. I guarantee you he's been doing that all season long that he's not been able to play on that field. And if you can find a way to bring him back, I think that's an absolute win for the Astros. And I think that Brantley and Yuli Gurriel want to be back. They don't need a zillion dollars to come back. And I don't think they go out on the open market and are getting a zillion dollars. So if, if the Astros open that opportunity and they can do it in that budget and it, that may depend, the budget may depend on whether they re-sign Verlander. I mean, that's going to be a part of it. And everybody thinks that, Oh, you just re-signed Verlander at the same price and it doesn't affect you. But everybody's money on this roster goes up next year. All of these young guys, they're all going up, 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 up. If you don't think Framber Valdez is going to make some money uh, pretty quickly in arbitration and, you know, some of these other guys are as well. Um, Brian Abreu, I think, is probably not far from arbitration because he's been around yeah. for yeah. Uh, for like three years now, I think, or something like that. But Oh, longer than that. You know, I remember being in the in the clubhouse in 2017 of the ALDS when they were popping champagne bottles. And Brian Abreu, who was a non-contributor on that team, was, was in full uniform and celebrating and looked just like a 16-year-old kid hopped off. <laughs> A school yeah, bus and decided amazing. to go party, you know, and, and and so he's been there a while. And you might be right. I think I think he is coming up for his arbitration eligible year. And so, the performance that he had this postseason, in particular the World Series, is going to get him paid. It's going to get a lot of guys paid. But at the end of the day, you know, there's still no salary cap. Yeah, you know, you're going to have you're going to be taxed. There's a luxury threshold, I think, as there is now in every professional sport. But if there's a guy who has shown that he can be responsible but is also not afraid to do what it takes to um, create a winner and keep a winner going, that's Jim Crane. Um, So I think, you know, and that goes back to who he decides he wants to be his general manager for for the foreseeable future is how he and that general manager, if it is Click or somebody else, how they work together. Because there's obviously a personal um, and professional um, disagreement that he and Click have. They're not seeing eye to eye on something. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And so I'd be interested to see how we uh, how we look at this situation over the course of the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm going down the list of who's what. And right now, Garcia's pre-arbitration. Jordan, we know he signed that contract. Um, Christian Javier's pre-arbitration. He made $749,000 this year. That's what you paid Christian Javier, the man. (laughs) 
had Jose Arquiti's pre-arbitration and Brian Abreu was pre-arbitration this year. Um, obviously, Jeremy Pena and Chaz McCormick. So, I mean, those are pretty huge guys on the roster. Hunter Brown is his very first year, obviously. So, and I don't even know if this, Sean, this year doesn't even count against Hunter Brown, does it? <laughs> in his years? Oh, it came uh, up in September. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah, I don't think so. He's a team control guy uh, next year. Um, and according to Spotrack, that would be his final year. So, you, who, who, final year in the team control. Who? Who's that? Hunter Brown. 2023 is his final year of team control, according to Spotrack. So, well, I mean, he just came up. Yeah. Um, but what does that mean? What what do you mean under team control? Well, what does that mean? You're, you're under team control for six years and I'm not seeing anything like arbitration years or anything after that. No, no, no. He's just, he just got brought up. No, no, no. I know. I know he just got brought up. Um, usually it extrapolates it out over the course of like a six year span. And I don't see that for Hunter Brown. So um, if he just got brought up, then that would enact the first year of team control next year. So we should have, that's six what I years. thought. Yeah. yeah so that's what I would have thought. It. He'd have six well, years after that. So that's how yeah. it's, that's how it's reading on Spotrack. So you've got him till 2029. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he's it's yeah. yeah, it's no, we, we, we know we got him for, for a really good while, but Let's just, uh, that's too much talk about ahead. We got to, you know, let's just keep talking about this team and, and just some final thoughts, guys, before we close things out. Um, just, you know, the Astros world champions for the second time in their history. Uh, you've got Jeremy Pena. It's still, it, I still can't believe it. It's the World Series MVP. He's, did he win MVP of the, he won the ALCS MVP? He won ALCS and World Series MVP, both. Unbelievable and yeah. gold glove, and he's a rookie and gold glove. Yeah, yeah. on a, on a very short list of guys to ever do that. Um, you know, not just rookies, but players to win ALCS or NLCS and a World Series MVP. I think the list is maybe about eight or ten deep, if that. I just saw that peeking in here as I came on to log on. But um, Jeremy Pena, he's probably the story of the year for the Houston Astros. So much attention was focused on the void at the shortstop position. Um, and you and I talked about this a number of times, and I'm sure both of you guys did as well over the course of the regular season, that I found it really remarkable that, you know, every week you look up and the guy's maintaining a 247, 250 batting average, and you're like, how the heck is he doing this? You know, the on-base percentage wasn't where you wanted it to be. It hovered around 299, 301 uh, for the better part of the regular season. But – at the end of the day, guys, that probably should have been a really good indicator that, you know what, this guy is not hitting that rookie wall and bouncing off like we probably expected him to. Now, he hit the rookie wall, and he found the damn way through it. Um, and over the course of the last month of the regular season, just that momentum that he had um, where he was hitting, I think, 320 for the last 14, 15 games, carried that into the postseason, and it was just contagious. And I, I think it's very appropriate for him to have won the World Series MVP. But if they gave a postseason MVP, who hit bigger bombs than Jordan Alvarez? That guy became a national sensation in Major League Baseball. People know who he is. People, you know, in that Seattle Mariner series, and he'd done it a couple of times during the regular season, fellas. He approached that Barry Bonds level of fear that you put in a pitcher that we haven't seen in 20 years since Bonds. And I I think that is going to be something incredible to watch over the course of his career as a Houston Astro. Steven, final thoughts? Well, you know, Robert, it just, I, I have to say, there are going to be so many memories that we're going to look back on in this season, you know, for, for years to come when you, you know, the, the baseball season, it's like a, a, the longest marathon ever, 162 games. You have spring training before that you have the postseason games after that. And I, I mean, this team, we, we just, we, I know we talk about it a lot, but this team just, you know, when you thought they were down, they just kept fighting. They just kept fighting. And the other thing I want to say, Robert, is I want to thank you for giving me the chance to do this with you 
for making, for helping me make a dream that I've had for decades come true. You know, and, and I mean decades because when I was a kid, I used to dream about doing a sports talk show and celebrating a Houston team winning a championship. I didn't care who it was. Astros, you know, the Oilers back then, because that's when I grew up there, following the Oilers, the Rockets, whomever. I wanted to be in the chair talking about it when they won. And I just appreciate I just want to thank you for it. This has been so much fun. And I'm glad that you let me do this. But I'm also glad that tonight is the last one because it means the Astros won the World Series. So I, I just want to say thank you. It's It's been so much fun doing this with you. Well, you know how much I love you. You know how much I appreciate you coming along with this ride with me for, you know, Steven started co-hosting with me three years ago and, and Sean's doing more of it these days and sort of has taken over the reins and we're going to be doing Texans games and other shows, you know, we'll be doing a regular show during the week throughout uh, the rest of the year. But um, to have you along, Stephen, these last three years has really been fantastic because, you know, you're so damn good at this. Uh, everybody that listens to us talks about what a great job that you do. Everybody that I've talked to and, you know, Stephen, he goes back for people that don't know. I mean, he started rooting for the Astros back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, so early 70s. Yeah, 72. The stuff yeah. that I can't remember, Stephen remembers, you know, about the Astros. So he is Astros history in a way, because uh, it almost goes back to the beginning of the franchise. And um, yeah. so, so I mean, it's just uh, been fantastic to be able to do the post games and share it with everybody out there. And I can't thank enough the fans of the, the show because Absolutely. we've had uh, to this point 7,400 views on the Astros wow. post game shows. That is awesome, man. That that I mean, that just shows it right there. The the passion that people have for this team, and it's been growing. The channel's been growing over the. You know, I started doing YouTube back in March, but we've been doing the podcast for nine years, and it's just been such a fun ride to uh, really talk about Rockets and Astros and Texans because I love all the teams and and even you know the Houston Cougars as well. I'm looking forward to college basketball season with the Cougs this year. You know, they're a top four ranked team in pretty much every poll. So that's going to be awesome. And, you know, to be able to share these kind of moments with the fans and, you know, show my emotion that, you know, I, I've been a journalist for 30 years, but when I'm talking about Houston teams, there's a, a real passion there. And and I hope everybody knows that. And same with Sean and Steven, you know, that's the best thing about this is there's a lot of sports radio out there in Houston, but not everybody loves their team. And their Houston teams yeah. and you guys love the Houston teams and, and that, you know, it means a lot to the fans out there that you guys live and die with it just as much as they do. Absolutely. Well, and it's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a stage that, you know, you, because of your passion, Robert, uh, allow, you know, guys like me and Steven and, you know, your countless other guests that you've had on over the years, the opportunity to come on and share our passion in which other opportunities don't necessarily allow for us to do that um, in our jobs, whether we're in radio or TV or, um, you know, another form of media, um, we're not able to do that sometimes. So, yeah, great job by Stephen um, tipping the cap to you because I want to do the same thing. I appreciate you letting me come on. I sometimes don't know why you uh, want me to come on. Um, but I'm certainly glad you do and let me share my passion and, you know, my love for sports, which, man, it, I, it was just born into me. Um, and, and I'm glad I get to talk about it and enjoy it. And, uh, uh, with, with, I, I, you know, I couldn't, I don't know of more, two more passionate baseball guys, sports guys than you guys. So it was, it was really awesome to come on tonight and talk with y'all and enjoy this moment as, uh, as I have tonight, man, it's been great. So thank you. Yeah. Well, keep up the great work at sports radio 610, by the way. I appreciate you, Steve. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. The, the fans out there again, we did it. We won the world series. Uh, let's, let's pull the music up a little bit. Um, and we're in the hat, this hat, the, the <laughs> insignia came back in the 80s when I got it at an Astros game. You see a pennant behind me from the Astros back in the 80s. I lived through 1980 when I was eight years old and the Phillies came back 
on us when we were up to nothing. It took 42 years. We got revenge. Finally, the Astros beat the Phillies, not in the NLCS, not in the ALCS. We beat them in the darn World Series and the (laughs) World Series champions, the Houston Astros 2022 World Series champions. Adios, and we'll talk to you again real soon. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.